Creed, I noticed you don't have a resolution on the board. What's yours? I want to do a cartwheel, but real casual-like, not make a big deal out of it. But I know everybody saw it. There's one stunning, gorgeous cartwheel. How's it going? I'm having a little trouble motivating. Look at where you're going to be doing the cartwheel. So look where you're going to be placing your hand. So pick a spot. Mm -hmm. You ready to do this? Yes, sir. You know what? I'm going to stay here as long as it takes. I really appreciate it. I'm going to spot you. I'll spot you. Go. I did it. You did? The perfect cartwheel. (laughs) Okay, good. The rush. That's all I had to do all year. Congratulations. All right. Well, all right. See you tomorrow. Hey, what's up, Kairos? I'm so glad that you're here tonight. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames. That means I also get to be a part of Kairos. And so with all of you here tonight, it is just such a joy to be in this space with you. I love this room. This is a special room, is it not? I mean, they don't make rooms like this anymore. It's classic. It's beautiful. But what makes it even more beautiful is that you are here tonight. We're so glad you're here. We say it all the time because we mean it. We believe it's no accident that you're here. We've been praying for you. And so the opportunity to worship with you tonight is incredible. Those of you who are on the floor, you may not be able to see our friends in the balcony. Hi, friends in the balcony. Those of you who are in the balcony, you might not be able to see our friends on the floor. Hi, friends on the floor. Let's all just say hi to each other. Ready? Go for it. That was fun. Now, there are, uh, I've already talked to some people tonight who said, hey, this is actually my first Kairos. I'm so glad uh, that you made it tonight. Uh, we have some other people who are joining us for the first time this year as well. You just can't see them. Not talking about my imaginary friends from middle school, zing, but I am actually talking about our friends who are joining us in Iowa City tonight. There's about 100 of them who are live streaming with us. So if you're on the floor, you can turn around, look at that camera in the back. And on the count of three, say, what's up, Iowa City? One, two, three. What's up, Iowa City? We're so glad that you are here uh, joining us as well. They are just such a great group, and we're excited that we can worship together via live stream. So you saw in that opening clip uh, that Creed had made a New Year's resolution. Creed is my favorite character in the hit sitcom, The Office. I'll tell you what, I miss that show. I still watch that show, and that guy Creed still cracks me up every single time he has an appearance. He has this big hope for his new year. And I know that this is not New Year's Day by any means, but for some reason, this time of year feels like a new, fresh start, even more than January 1st, every single year for me. A lot of it is because you guys come back, but it's because things are kicking off, things are starting. You see people for the first time that maybe haven't seen in a little bit of time. You see them, they've got some vitamin D, they got a little bit of sun over the summer, they're feeling fresh, you're feeling fresh, everybody's got a clean slate, and you say, hey, we're ready to roll, it's kind of like a new year. We have these different expectations. I want to tell you this, I do have an expectation for this year when it comes to Kairos, and it's not because this is the expectation I believe that our team has set, but instead I believe that this is the expectation that God's just saying, I'm going to give it to you. And so we're opening our series, or our school year this year, with a series called Best Year Ever. I believe that's God's expectation for us this year at Kairos, the best year ever. Now, when I say that, you might be rolling your eyes and be like, oh, great, awesome, that's not possible. I've got a lot going on. Now, I didn't say a perfect year. Perfection is entirely overrated. My dad used to tell me that all the time. Danny, perfection is overrated. But real life, like authentic living, boy, that is something that's worth pursuing. Perfection, you ever try to chase perfection? You ever find out just how futile that is? How frustrating it can be? You ever gotten a new pair of shoes? If you know me very well at all, you know that I I like running, and I hope that we do get to know each other really well, so I hope that you find that out about me. So every now and then I get a new pair of running shoes, right? So this is my current pair of running shoes. I love my running shoes, uh, but they're getting old, and they're getting worn out. Maybe like from a distance, they still kind of look nice and fresh and clean and everything, but they're not. 
They've got a lot of dirt on them. They've taken me a lot of different places. They don't look perfect anymore. It's funny because every single time that you get a new pair of shoes, you put them on for the first time, you know, and you're like, oh, man, I tell you what, I look so good. You feel like you've got that extra hop in your step. You're walking through the store with them. You're like, you know, like, this is just changing everything for me. You feel good, ready to go. And then you step outside, and it's raining. Or you get to the edge of the sidewalk, and you need to cross the grass. Or friends are calling you over to them. You'd have to run across something that's less than perfect to get to them. And all of a sudden, you're no longer walking like you would normally walk. You're no longer acting like you would normally act. You're, not, no, you're no longer going the places that you would normally go. Because why? You're, you're concerned about the perfection of your shoes. I got I to gotta keep them clean. It's interesting. When I got these shoes for the first time, I was out at Ada Hayden Park here in Ames, and there's this beautiful trail, trail off of Ada Hayden where you can go on this high trail, and it gives you this beautiful scene of this lake that's in here in Ames, Iowa. The most incredible sunset view in all of Ames. And I love running up there, especially around that time of night. But the first time I was wearing these shoes, I'm like, I, I can't do it. I just won't. Because the path to get there wasn't clean. It was dirty. It, it's gravel. The shoes would get muddy. Oh, man, I was missing out. Perfection is overrated. Put perfection aside. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's clean. It's pretty. But you're going to miss out on the beauty in life. I mean the real beauty. Perfection is entirely overrated, but the life that God calls you to live, one that is real, authentic living, one that you're going to get some dirt on your shoes, it calls you into uncomfortable places, but they are so worth pursuing. And the view is entirely beautiful. Maybe you don't feel like this could be the best year ever because you feel weak and you wish that you were perfect. God has a word for you that in the book of Galatians. It says this on the next slide. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. It's true. Anybody here ever realize that they're not perfect? You ever just realize, like, on a day, like, you ever look in the mirror and be like, hmm, I guess I'm not perfect. I thought I was, but here it is again. Rats. Maybe you wake up and there's a new imperfection. Maybe you've been focusing your life on trying to keep the imperfections out. You know what Jesus has to say about that? Just let me see him. Let me in on him. Let me show you that even when you are not perfect, I can bring perfection into your life. Jesus says, when you are weak, it only shows how strong I am. And when I'm in your life, I will lift you up. When you are weak, I will lift you up as if you are strong enough to be perfect. You want that in your life? The kind of life where it's not a thing that you earn, but instead it's something that is given to you? How beautiful are those gifts? How beautiful are those free gifts? It becomes so interesting. I find it funny that whenever somebody wins a championship, like it's the first championship that they've won, people always talk about like, oh, the best things in life, they're earned, not given. I'll tell you this much. The absolute best thing in life is given. You can't earn it. Do you remember this verse from last week? It's in the book of John. It's in chapter 10. It says, Jesus said, my, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Again, not a perfect life. It's a life that will call you off the trail. It's not always incredible, but it's beautiful. Jesus continues just right after that. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. How many of us believe that if we're going to live a good life, a perfect life, or at least a life that looks perfect, it's something that we're going to have to sacrifice for? You know, because the best things in life, they're not given, they're earned. Don't ever forget that. 
Anything in life that's worth having doesn't come free. No. The best thing that your soul absolutely cries out for is given to you for free. There are so many different things in this world that you can make your God. So many different things. What is it for you lately? Maybe you don't name it as a God, but you're treating it as a God. It's a thing in your life that you have to have. It's a thing in your life that if you don't ever get it, you won't ever be satisfied. You'll never be content. So what is it in your life? Is it the grades? Is it the status? Is it the power? Is it the romance? Is it the someday money? All those things are entirely fine. They're good things. They can't be your God. They weren't designed like that. And when they do become your God, here's how they start to operate. They start to say, you have to give me more. They become your boss. They become your employer. They become your master. Your life for mine, they say. For me to feel better, you have to get smaller. Jesus says, my life for yours. I am the good shepherd. The good, sha- the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Boy, it'd be good to have that kind of connection, wouldn't it? I want to encourage you tonight as we kick off this series. The rest of the night, we're going to be talking about this, connecting with your creator. This is what your soul wants. There are all sorts of things in this world that you can live for, but none of them know you as well as your creator. God, who created you, knows the very details of your life. The Bible says that God knows the hairs on your head, just how many of them there are. The Bible tells you that even before you were born, God was thinking of you. Before he spun the world into creation, God was thinking of you. It says that you're wonderfully and fearfully made. And God knows every single little detail of that. None of these things know you like your creator knows you. And therefore, your soul feels home and feels comfortable when it's in the presence of that creator. I want to encourage you, not just tonight, but throughout this entire school year, connect to that God. Connect to that kind of father, as we're going to talk about for the rest of the night, too. And you'll see that your life ignites. Your life will be on fire. Anybody here feel like their life is feeling a little bit empty? Anybody feel like you're chasing something, but your light is just starting to dim down? Where where are you connected to? It's like this light, right? It serves a really great purpose, okay, you know? This is the light that sits on my desk in my office, and it serves a really good purpose. And its purpose is to light up. But it doesn't light up so that I look at it. I mean, frankly, if I look at it while it's lit, I, I, my eyes would burn. But instead, the purpose of this light is to light up so that others can see. So we can see the world around us. Maybe we're like, oh, yeah, I want that kind of purpose, right? Like, I want to have that kind of fulfillment. Like, that's where I want to go. You know, that's what I want to do. Oh, man. What are you connected to? Listen, there are all sorts of different things in your life that can give you a rush, that can give you a buzz, that can give you a feeling of goodness, maybe for the quick moment. But there is a kind of eternal power. Like this, this light is really cool. Don't get me wrong. But what makes it really cool, I mean, what makes it really special is when it is connected to a source of power. Hail. Connect your life to a source of power. Connect your life to God, and you'll see that you light up again. Pretty cool, huh? I mean, it's amazing. Go home, turn on your lamp, and let that always be a reminder the rest of the year. God's light shines through you. You'll never forget Kyra. Whoa, see? I did it. Let your light shine. Maybe this life isn't so much about people staring at you, but instead what God could do through you. Maybe you could be okay if the light shines through you, and sure, it pokes through some of the imperfections, but through those holes... The light lights up the world. Man, we are tempted to do the opposite, aren't we? 
Maybe you're wondering, like, how can I connect with the creator? Like, how can I have that kind of connection? How can I feel that kind of comfort, that kind of peace? You ever hear people talking about connection? Oftentimes when people are talking about connection, they're talking about it in a romantic sort of way. So I'm not necessarily super proud to say this, but I've become a bit of a, a bachelorette super fan. Um, <laughs> it's just fun for me. Like, 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 I want to blame it on my wife, but she'll come home and she'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to see who Tasha chooses. Say, okay, I'm gonna go lift weights in the basement, you know? <laughs> and so I'm watching in the show, I mean, like, I mean, I get it, it's not like the most edifying thing in the world, but it's wildly entertaining. And I think it's wildly entertaining because while, I mean, the reality TV of it sometimes seems a bit fake, like, there's actually something that hits at our heartstrings, too. I think the part that hits at our heartstrings is we're seeing people who are desperate for connection. They would do anything for connection, wouldn't they? And I'm not saying these things to make fun of them. No, I'm saying these things to relate to them. I am searching for deep connection in my life. I'm not searching for that kind of connection. Thank you, Abby. I love you so much. But we are all searching for that deep kind of connection in our life. But sometimes we think that the connection is going to happen through superficial things. Why is it that we seek deep, authentic connection through superficial things? You know what I'm talking about? You ever see those titles that show up on the, on the, uh, on the bottom third of the screen, uh, you know, like whatever their title is, like, I'm doing whatever I can to be noticed. I want this person to see me, to care for me. And so you have the people who show up and they're wearing like a sloth costume, and then for the rest of the season it says Alex D25 underneath, it just says sloth, that's her title, the rest of the series. So sad. There was somebody who came on, and then it said that his, uh, it was John, and his title, or his name is Jonathan, his title's Tickle Monster. Like, heads up, Caitlin, don't go for the Tickle Monster, you know? It's like, okay, well, I want to be noticed. I want to stand out. I want to do something. And they all, there's always this moment in the this, in this, in this series or in the season when they say, oh, I just, I'm seeking that connection. You know, I want to feel that connection with you. I, I, I'm looking for the connection. So we kind of put up a front. You know, they put out the candles that are around like the dock and they're like, oh man, I love you so much. I can't believe you did all this for me. It's like, no, the bachelorette did not do that for you. You're not falling in love with the bachelorette. You're falling in love with Evan, the set designer. Like, this is not real. <laughs> like, don't you want authentic, deep connection? We can't find it through superficial things. Some things are more superficial than others. Don't get me wrong. There are things in your life that are absolutely worth pursuing, putting all of your passion in, but is it God who's feeling that? Is it God who you're connected to who's giving you the power to go into those places? Ask God about it. You know, when I was younger, um, my room was a sacred place. Anybody remember, like, your childhood bedroom, sacred place, is it not? You remember that feeling? Like, oh, this is my place. This is my peace. This is it. Still, when I go home to my parents' house, they live in the same house that I lived in growing up. And if I go into that bedroom, like, I am home. I feel at peace. And I will do my absolute best to keep Abby and I's home today clean. But when I go home with my parents, for some reason, if we're staying there, and if I'm in my bedroom, I turn into a 12-year-old again. And I just start throwing my clothes everywhere. I feel terrible about it because then I leave and I'm like, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't make the bed on my way out. The sheets are on the floor. I, I did it again. You know, and I think that like today I'm kind of used to my parents accepting that about me. But when I was younger, like, it, it, like do you ever feel kind of that shame about it? Like your room's a mess. It's dirty. And so like you're in your room, right? Like, and you're all fine in there when you're by yourself because as long as nobody sees it, like, okay, this is good. You know, like I'm having fun in my room. This is all good back here. And then someone comes up and your parents are like, hey, did you clean your room? Like, yeah, I did. Like, okay, yeah, just let me go ahead and look in there. Would you mind? I'm like, yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah, it's clean in here. Don't worry about it. I promise we're good, dad. Man, 
And then, of course, parents come up to the door. They start knocking. Like, come on, let me in. Let me see it. Can't be that bad. They open the door, and they're like, oh, my goodness, it's that bad. It's terrible. It's amazing what a child is capable of and the tornadoes that they can create in their room. I was capable of that, right? And the truth is, is sometimes you want to block it out. You want to cover it. It's not just the physical messes that are in your life, but it's also sometimes we just feel embarrassed when you feel ashamed. It would be nice to have the sense of shamelessness and not have to worry about who's looking at you for it. But sometimes we do feel that sense of shame, and it's hard to actually get to that place of, like, I'm actually shameless. I know we all say it, like, oh, I don't care what anybody thinks of me, but deep down, like, I put the curtain up on my door. I don't want you to see anything. I don't want you to take a look. And so then there are times in our life where maybe we just go in our room, not because it's a physical mess, but because our hearts feel like they're a mess, our souls feel like they're a mess, and we wish somebody would just understand us, but in the meantime, we'll just close the door. Yeah, I want to connect with God. Yeah, I want to know that God who knows me deeply and cares for me and knows the intricacies of my body and my heart and my soul. But I don't know. Is that possible? Would, I, would that really be the best year ever? Boy, that would take a lot of vulnerability. Jesus was having a conversation with people about connecting with God, about having like a deep, authentic connection. And he talked to people about it because he wanted to give them freedom. He wanted, them to, wanted to invite them to experience the freedom of stepping off the perfect path every now and then. Walking into the places where, there are mud on, where there's mud on the ground and your shoes get dirty. But it's a beautiful place. So Jesus says, here's how you connect to God. Are you ready for it? And he tells this shocking story. Take a look at this. This was in Luke chapter 11. You heard about this. You heard the passage right before this in tonight's reading. And Jesus says, so here's how you're going to connect with God. You ready? You want to know how you connect with God? Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Now keep in mind in those days, midnight was not like midnight today. They didn't have electricity. So maybe midnight for you is when you're getting your night started. But for them back in those days, midnight was midnight. Lights out, dark, pitch black. Jesus says, suppose you're at your friend's house at midnight. And then in that dot, dot, dot there, what he says is, now you're going to start knocking on that door. Ready? Okay, come on, here we go. Boy, nice neighbor you are. And Jesus goes on to say, now, it's not like you have some sort of emergency. It's not like there's some big, massive problem erupting your, in your life. It's not like you're saying, oh, my goodness, my parents are sick. You've got to get them to the hospital. No. What Jesus says is, suppose that it's midnight. You knock on your friend's door and you say, hey, I'm trying to have a party. You got any bread? Boy, that seems really annoying. That seems like the kind of person we'd want to push away. Go back a slide. We're going to say, spend a little bit more time on that. And Jesus says, that neighbor, comparing this to God, will get up and give you whatever you need because of your what? Your shameless persistence. Keep on knocking, Jesus says. Keep on knocking. Now you can go to that slide. Keep on knocking, Jesus says. Don't be bashful. Come on, keep on knocking. I know that you think that people are going to think that there's something wrong with you, but keep on knocking. God doesn't think that there's something wrong with you. God sees the wrong things in your life, and he says, I want to make them right. Connect with me. Let me be your power. Knock on my door. Bother God. That word there for shameless persistence, it literally means to bother Jesus is telling us, here's how you connect with God. Are you ready? Bother God. I mean, talk, about God, talk to God about the things in your life that you think nobody else cares about. Talk to God about the things in your life that you want to shut the rest of the world out on. 
open your door, walk to God's door, knock on it and say, I'm trying to have a party with my friends. You got to help me out, God. And Jesus says, God's like, yeah. I want to give you life. I want to listen to you. I want to hear your voice. That can be hard, isn't it? Sometimes when we walk into, I don't know, like a situation where we're trying to connect with somebody, maybe we walk into a situation with somebody that we're trying to impress or somebody that we're trying to earn their love or maybe somebody that we just know that they do love us so we're trying to live up to that love that they already have for us. We don't walk up to them and just shamelessly knock, right? Instead, we're more bashful about it. When I was in high school, I got a really bad speeding ticket. It was a terrible decision. It was late at night. I had just gotten done working on a finals project. Like, it's not like I was even out doing anything cool. I was working on a finals project. And I was like, oh, I'm so mad. It took way too long. So I'm driving home from my friend's house. And it's like 2.30 in the morning. I drove way too fast. I got pulled over. And I was driving fast enough to where I knew my license is going to be suspended. It's just going to happen. So I have to drive home. I open my parents' garage door. I, I walk in. And I, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so bad. But I'd rather just get it over with. I walk up to their bedroom door. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, I guess they're not up. OK. And then, uh, sure enough, I hear this like little movement in the bed. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, my dad opens the door. Danny, do you know what time it is? I'm like, yeah, OK, so I know what time it is. Dad, you, <sighs> let's go to the kitchen. So we go to the counter. We're sitting, at the, we're sitting there. I'm like, Dad, I'd love to serve you. Can I get you a glass of water? <laughs> I get him a glass of water. I'm like, you're going to want a few gulps. I'm like, Dad, and I just hand him the ticket, and he sees it's, like, it, it's pretty bad. I'm not going to tell you how fast it was, because I don't want you to get competitive with me. It was bad, it was dangerous, and I could have died. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just, I just watched Fast and Furious or something. Like, Dee -dee -dee! He looks at it, and he's like, what? He's like, oh, wow. You know, I think he was really confused. He's very tired, but it's late at night. I'm like, oh, I, but I had to come to you. I had no other choice. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I didn't feel great about it, but I had to go to him. And as he's still, like, catching his breath and, like, choking on his water, I just walk up to my room. I'm like, oh, my life is in shambles. My heart's a wreck. I'm never going to drive again. I'm going to have to ask my little sister for rides everywhere. And I, I just start hiding, you know? I honestly think for like two straight days, I was like hiding in places. I couldn't, like I didn't tell anybody about it at school for like three months. I was so humiliated. Danny, you're a senior in high school. Uh, why are you getting rides from mom and taking the bus every single day, no matter what? I'm like, uh, I'm just trying to help the environment. <laughs> and um, I was just trying to hide a little bit, you know. God says, I want you to take all that. And I want you to just shamelessly knock on my door. Bother me with all of it. Jesus, uh, Jesus has good news for us. It's rooted in scripture. It's a theme. Check this out. It's in 1 John chapter 3. It's the only way to make sense of this. Why in the world would God let us talk to God like that? Like to shamelessly bother God? Well, it says, see how very much the Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And so Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. So this is how you should pray. Start by saying, Father. If we hop back into our passage tonight, that's what it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. This is how you should pray. God, call God Father. Now, I know that that can be kind of testy for people because not everybody has perfect parents. Nobody has perfect parents. 
Some people have parents that have abandoned them, left them out, made them feel hurt, made them feel like they had to close the door, stay in their room alone and shut the world out. That's not the kind of father that God is. And so in some ways today we hear God compared to a father or a mother as God is compared to throughout scripture as well. And that makes us feel uncomfortable because we're like, ah, that reminds me of imperfection. But back in those days, people said, no, you can't call God a father because you don't have the right to do that. Nobody could call God father. It was shocking to them. Now, if you read your Old Testament, it's very interesting. God will be compared to a parent, but nobody ever actually prays to God and says, you're my father. Nobody ever does it. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, who claims to be the Son of God, and every single time that he addresses God throughout the New Testament, all these stories of Jesus, any time that he prays, he starts every single time, but once he starts and he says, Father. And people are saying, you can't be that intimate with God. You have to close the door every now and then. You got to keep the curtains down. You have to walk on the perfect path. You can never step into the mud. Perfection isn't overrated. Perfection's a virtue. Find it. But that's not how Jesus sees God. And if that's not how Jesus sees God, that's not how we should see God either. Jesus uses a specific word for father. It sounds kind of like the word we have for father in English. It's pater. Everybody say pater. And it does literally mean father, but more specifically, what it means is one who imparts life and is committed to it. Like these days, I know sometimes parents feel this enormous pressure that they have to provide for their family, and sometimes they seem absent from the lives of their children, and it can be hard. Maybe it's for another reason. I'm not totally sure what your specific story is. In those days, though, a father's life, I mean, an absolute livelihood of a father, once that father had children, entirely depended on the livelihood and the wellness of that child. If the child lost their life, the father's life was no longer worth living. They gave the life and they committed to that life. And Jesus says, this is how I want you to talk to God. This is how I want you to see God. And this is why you can knock on God's door shamelessly with that kind of persistence. That's why you can bother God because you are God's child. You're God's child. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Let's hop back into the passage. It says this about the way that God wants to respond to us. If we were to ask, next screen please, if you were to ask, if you were to ask God for uh, a piece of bread, would God return? See, I'm memorizing my Bible, it's good. If, you were, if children, you were asked for a fish, that's what I was going for, would you give them a snake? Of course not. There's another passage where Jesus talks about this kind of thing. He says, if you were to ask for a scorpion, whatever. Okay, nonetheless. If you were to ask for a fish, would you give them a snake? Of course not. Of course not! And Jesus says, now, if you imperfect parents could do that, imagine what your God could do for you. Your perfect heavenly father, instead he continues, and he says this, your heavenly father will give you so much more. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God will give you abundantly more. As humans, we have this general sense of what's right and what's wrong, what should be given and what should be kept. We have this general understanding of like, how should children be treated? How should they not? God has this perfect understanding of every single one of your needs. God has every single one of your needs in his mind. At the forefront of his mind at all times, you consume God's heart. God knows what you need. In fact, Jesus says this while he's talking about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So many times in life we're trying to shut that door. 
God says, open it up. He says, open it up. I, oh man, this was so crazy. So a couple of days after I, was, uh, after I had that really bad ticket, I'm spending time in my room. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so ashamed. I'm like, just um, embarrassed. And sure enough, there's one day where as I'm sitting there, I, I hear this. I'm emotional. <laughs> Knocks again. Yeah. <laughs> and then it says, Danny, come on. Oh my gosh, you're taking me to prison. He's <laughs> like, where are you taking me? He goes, we're getting in the car. I'm like, getting in the car? He goes, yeah, you're going to drive. What? Yeah, I'm going to let you drive before the government takes your license. But yeah, come on. Like, come on. Let's go drive. So he already, like, he knew how I was feeling in that room. He knew, like, the, the, the terror, the shame, the guilt that I was experiencing. He says, go ahead, open the door. We get in the car, and he says, all right, now I'm going to show you what driving is supposed to be like. <laughs> Connect with me. Not because I'm trying to punish you, but because I want to love you and I want you to, I want you to live. I don't want you to get hurt. God says, Jesus says, go ahead, knock on God's doors. Don't stop knocking. Just keep on knocking. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, it says Jesus knocks on our door. I never thought of this before, but as I read that this week, I just had this visualization and it, would, and it just moved me. There are so many times in my life where like, I just feel like I'm walking this lonely journey. Not even necessarily because of what somebody else has done to me, but a lot of times because of the things that I'm carrying, the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm feeling, the things that I'm experiencing, and I just want to close out the doors, right? And sometimes I convince myself that if I walk far enough, if I climb high enough, if I run fast enough, if I do enough, I'll get my life back. And yet there's this beautiful intersection between God and humanity. And every single time that I approach that door, I mean, every single, I just have to find, I'm like, okay, fine, I got nothing else, here we go. My heart is meeting God's heart at the door. And when I knock, I find he wasn't sitting in the back room. He wasn't waiting in the basement. He didn't need me to ring over an intercom. And as I get closer to that door, I, I hear it coming from the other side. in. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you feel any worse than you already do. I want to connect. Um, we're going to close the sermon tonight connecting with God. And so, um, why don't you stay seated? I'm going to sit too. I invite you to close your eyes.
and just however your hands feel comfortable, whatever feels like a, I don't know, just like a feeling of surrender, like I, I'm done carrying this on my own, you know? Just go ahead and, and take that position. Lord, thank you for being a good dad. Thank you that when you taught us how to pray, you said, talk to your dad. Thank you for standing at our door. Thank you for always opening it for us. Thank you for meeting our hearts in those places of loneliness. Thank you for not sending us deep into shame, but, but redeeming us into life. Thank you for knowing everything that I've hidden in my room. Thank you for knowing all of my needs. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for desiring authentic connection with me. Thank you for loving me like a dad. I want to invite you this year to connect with your creator authentically, deep connection, off the perfect path. Do that and see how it does indeed, not just give you the best year ever, but gives you the best life ever. Not a perfect life, but the best life. The life that God has in store for you. One, where you know your true identity. You remember who you are because you know whose you are. Two, you have a sense of authority. I can ask God for whatever I want. I can ask God for anything because I'm God's child. And if I wake God up in the middle of the night, God says, of course I'll answer you. Of course I'll respond to you. You're my child. I love you. But then I also have this security in knowing that God loves me and that whatever I ask for, even sometimes when I don't get what I wanted, I know that God gives me everything I would have asked for if I know everything my dad knows about me. Connect with God. This God who wants to give you the best life. Knock on his door and see that he's been knocking on yours. Let's stand and sing. Amen.